McNulty stunning for Emilio to get up above Cargill and find Bennett. It's into the box. McNulty cut back for Roberts. It's Gary Roberts from Bosby. Bosby are leading in the fourth round of the FA Cup. Mark McNulty, but a good chance by Doyle for McNulty on the edge. Mark McNulty oh, short yes. for Bosby. Smashes it past McCormack. One by Doyle. Finished by the returning Mark McNulty. First left blood for Bosby. They're in dreamland early here at Bratton. There's a through ball to Jamal Lowe. Jamal Lowe's onside. The flag stayed down. Jamal Lowe. Nonchalant. Fantastic. Brilliant. Pompey will be promoted at this rate. That is it. Pompey are champions. They won League Two in the most dramatic of circumstances. The PO4 podcast with Hugh Bunce. Proud to be Pompey. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the PO Forecast, episode 162, recording on the 13th of October, 2022. I'm your host, Freddie Webb, and obviously, since you can hear my voice to start with, Hugh and Andy both aren't here for various reasons. But we won't talk about that. We've got a lot of Pompey to discuss, some news bits as well, and a game to preview on Monday. And I thought I'd get a professional in to help me out with this time. He is um, long, long since broadcaster on Express FM, and I've appeared on his show a number of times. Mr. Jake Smith, how are you? Yeah, good evening, Freddie. Uh, Honoured to be called a professional. Uh, <laughs> wouldn't quite agree with it, but now I'm, I'm, I'm really good. I mean, looking forward to making my first appearance on my podcast. It's been a long time coming. Yeah, yeah, it's been ages, haven't we? Um, we we've been trying to sort this out for a long time, but uh, yeah, it's nice that you're free to help out last minute while, uh, while we've got so much to unpack. So first of all, we're going to go through the one-all home draw against Fleetwood Town. Yeah. Secondly, we're going to go through the 5-2 win against the Scum on Tuesday night. Then we're going to go through just some little news bits here and there, just some, just a few things to discuss. And then finally, we're going to preview the away game at the Valley against Charlton. So the the first game, Fleetwood, one all at home. Unfortunately, my score prediction was right. I predicted it would be a frustrating one all draw, and I wish I was wrong. I wish I was wrong. Before we do a deep dive into some of the things of the game, What's your overall reaction to the match, Jake? What did you think of it? What were your key takeaways from it? Well, I've, I finally had a chance to watch a game as a supporter at the weekend against Fleetwood. I was down to the fact that I wasn't doing the Express FM build-up and it was supposed to be around about the time my daughter was due and she's already born, but I'd already had been the game covered. So I thought, okay, I'll buy a ticket and go as a fan. Not quite treated to the spectacle we've, we've seen throughout most of the season so far. So a bit disappointed with that, but yeah, like you said, you predicted a draw. We got a draw. Fleetwood are a very difficult side. I know it sounds cliche and we kind of say it week in, week out, or we have done for the last five or six seasons, but League One's a tough league and no matter who you play, wherever it is, you play Memphis, your Ipswich, your Sheffield Wednesday, or you go down to your Burtons and your Fleetwoods and, you know, your, your, you know, your Wickhams of the league, definitely. But Fleetwood are a side who, yeah, they're not really putting up trees this season. They don't look like a team going down. They've always been kind of mid-table obscurity with the odd sort of challenge for the playoffs. They had a bit of a difficult time out last season, I know, but this season they've narrowly been defeated by Barnsley. They held Charlton to a draw. They beat Peterborough. They drew against Wickham. They drew against Pompey, of course, and uh, they even held uh, Derby to a nil-nil draw towards the start of the season as well. And they beat Plymouth. Uh, so look, the, the list goes on. They're a side. They, they, they get the results against the, the good teams. And clearly, Scott Brown set up to be that They've got the mentality that they, they just never die. And, and certainly we saw that on Saturday. I think we opened the game 
brightly. Josh Caroma with a, a, a fantastic striker, game four and four for him now. Fantastic start to the season for Josh Caroma. But in, in terms of Fleetwood, they're just they're just one of those difficult sides. You know, Fleetwood, Wickham, Gillingham every season seem to struggle against. You can't really put your finger on it. They're just a difficult side. And they've always got some quality in their team. Not enough to take them up, but Carlos Mendez Gomez, an incredible loan signing from Luton, obviously scored the goal, the equaliser on Saturday. From a Pompey perspective, we looked flat. There's no excuses. I'm not walking away from a draw thinking, okay, you know, it's, it's Fleetwood and they like to draw games because there's a lot to pick apart from, from Danny Cowley's side. There's a lot to kind of analyse and, and, and be critical of because we weren't at our best and we've, we, we've, so, we've shown signs this season of being a much better team. So I'm looking for improvements in, in the Charlton game. But at the same time, I think this is a side we've got a, a team and a squad that have got the sort of mentality that when you hit a setback, they, they, they thrive off it and, and they come back stronger. We're yet to see it in the last few games. We're now three without a win. But um, I'm interested to see how Danny Cowley can try and overcome this minor rut we've, we found ourselves on. Yeah, we'll have to see how it goes, won't we? Um, this reminded me a fair bit about the Lincoln City game right at the beginning of the season, the nil-nil draw, where it was quite obvious that the opposition were set up to try and get any positive result away from that front part, which is fair enough. It, it was quite obvious from looking at Fleetwood's previous games that they would set up as such. Like you said, Carlos Mendes Gomez, brilliant loan signing, proper inside forward. And he pops up in this game. Josh Cromer's goal, assisted by Owen Dale. Nice little pass to him. He cuts inside on it on his side foot, like seemingly he does for every single goal he scored. If you look back <laughs> at his, if you look back at his Huddersfield time, that's his preferred move. He's just cutting in on his strong foot with the side foot. Scores to make it one nil, zero point twelve xg. If you're interested in that, then, but unfortunately the lead didn't last very long. It was. Um, Set up from a corner from Fleetwood. A cross was looped into the back and Toto Inciala was at the back post. Managed to head it back across. Carlos Mendes Gomez, free, head, free header, no chance, unfortunately. And then there were a few other little bits in the first half. It was definitely a, a Jekyll and Hyde sort of game between the first and second half. The first half had pretty much most of Pompey's chances, if not all of them. Pack played a nice pass to Josh Cromer, who again tried to do the cut inside onto his side foot. It was deflected and tipped round by Jay Lynch, who we mentioned on the pod last time. Carlos Mundes Gomez almost got a chance when Harvey McAdam went on the right side of the penalty area to the low cross, but it was a good block yeah. by Michael Morrison. And speaking of Morrison, he was unlucky, wasn't he, with the header that um, clipped the post. 0.24 XG on that chance. I thought he was just very unlucky. I don't think he could have done much more with the sort of cross he had. What do you think? No, definitely. Definitely agree with that. Um, it was a game where whilst unlucky with that one. And I believe Owen Dale in the first half had an opportunity in Frattenham to, to make it 2-0. I believe the score was 1-0 at the time. And, and yeah, it, it was a game of missed chances. And, and certainly that but Michael Morrison one just completely rounded off and epitomised what, what kind of match it was. And you look at the stats after the game, you mentioned XG. And although Pompey weren't at their best, and although Pompey have got a lot of learning to do from that game, and, and it, it was lacklustre in terms of, Defending and, and we and we looked uh, we looked under pressure throughout most of the game, but we had 18 shots. Uh, and, and Danny Cowley said after the match, but if you look at the shot statistics, 18 for Pompey, I think five for Fleetwood. We were in an attacking sense the dominant side, but we just couldn't do anything with it. And that's no discredit to Michael Morrison, as you mentioned, hitting the post. You can't do much more than that. You, you can't you can't direct it a few inches to the left or the right or or up and down. That's, that's just out of your control. Owen Dale. Okay, put probably could have done a bit better, but he's not gone out to deliberately miss, has he? It's just a case of, apart from Josh Caroma's goal, 
we just couldn't hit the back of the net. And, and you have those, and you refer back to the Lincoln game, very difficult side. They, they came here adamant to get the point, time-wasting every single opportunity, call it time-wasting or man-management, depending on what kind of side of the fence you sit on. If Pompey do it, it's man-management, of course. But no, it, it was frustrating on Saturday, and Michael Morrison's been a very good signing for us. I think he's been very solid with that. We've really taken advantage of the, the, the experience and the knowledge that he's got in the game, and I think we're very lucky to have him with the club. And, wouldn't expect him to to be at that end of a pitch scoring goals anyway, but no, I think that that summed up what was a, a difficult afternoon for Pompey, both creating their luck to try and get the attacking opportunities, but but also just not doing what they have done this season and, and actually putting the ball in the back of the net, which is which is a shame. It happens, but look, eleven games into the season now for Pompey, what two games in hand? These things happen. I don't want to sound like Kenny Jacket. I hated it when he said it. That's football. He kind of had a point. <laughs> <laughs> getting all the cliches in early, aren't you, Joe? I, I am, yeah. No, I, you, you don't want to hear that after a free draw with South End after you throw away a free goal. No, no, absolutely not. Absolutely but, not. But it, it, it does happen, and, and I think we've we've seen signs of promise this season from the squad that they can overcome this, and that on their day they are a very good side. We're seeing more of those days that we call uh, that they have their good days more often than we did last season. So no, I'm not too worried about it disappointing on the day but I think we learn from it and, and go again John as uh, as we say yeah there's a lot to take away from this game the big thing is Pompey's creative problems in this game I mentioned expected goals sometimes on this podcast for a laugh but it does show Pompey's lack of creativity in this game specifically so as you mentioned earlier Jake Portsmouth had 18 shots Fleetwood had three the expected goals quality of chances Poppy's total was 0.92, but even more crucially, only 0.21 of that was in the second half, which you mentioned. It was clear by watching the second half that Pompey created very little and Fleetwood had 0.6 expected goals. That was contributed from the goal. And then Sean Rooney's like overlap at the back post where he hit it straight at Josh Griffiths. And then Mendes Gomez also had a header late on in the second half. Why do you think Portsmouth struggled creatively in this game? Do you think it was entirely down to Fleetwood's tactics of sitting back at a low block in the middle? Do you think if the fullbacks overlapped a bit more, because that was a big talking point after the game, mm. do you think that would, might have helped things? Or essentially, why do you think Pompey were lacklustre in this game specifically? Yeah, I think there's a, a whole host of reasons. Colby Bishop's had a great start to the season. Um, there's no no denying that. I think he looked a little bit lost on Saturday. I don't think that's necessarily his own fault. I think that does come down to, like you mentioned, Freddie, the lack of creativity in the game. Because the, the, the clear-cut chances, certainly, but Pompey had, it comes down to maybe a, a combination of Bishop maybe not getting in the right places, not making the, the, the correct runs and the, the support and the supply getting towards him. Likewise with Dane Scarlett, we saw that incredible run of games he had and the goals he was banging in for fun. That sort of dropped off a little bit. So when you've got two strikers up top, that, that yes, they've had a good start to the season, but in recent matches, they found it difficult to find the back of the net. That's not going to bode too well for you. Obviously, the, the injury to Louis Thompson in the last month or so has, has had a massive impact on things. But I think with the, the arrival and the, the incoming of, of Tom Lowry in his position has aided us crucially. But then, of course, now he's injured and we started Joe Morrell uh, on, on Saturday against Fleetwood. And whilst Joe Morrell, a fantastic player in his own right, obviously that that's shown a lot by the, the amount of call-ups up, call he gets for Wales. But I don't think, and this is my personal opinion, but if you've got a fully fit squad with Louis Thompson and Tom Lowry uh, in, in the mix, and of course Marlon Pack, I don't think Joe Morrell gets in that team. And I think the creativity stems from 
mainly Tom Lowry and, and the partnership that Marlon Pack had with, with Louis Thompson. And whilst Joe Morrell, as I mentioned, is a very good player, I think he's too similar to Marlon Pack. And I think you need a, the right blend in there. And that's not Danny Cowley's fault. That's not the team's fault. And it's certainly not Joe Morrell's fault. Can't help what kind of player you are. But I just think in the absence of both Louis Thompson and, and, and Tom Lowry, Pompey are struggling in that region. But I also think on Saturday, just to, to add a third factor onto obviously the, the, the Scarlet and Bishop issue and the, the morale starting and the injuries to the midfielders. But I think when you've got Michael Jacobs in the team on the bench, didn't come on. Look, we, we've got a very strong team and the depth in the squad is, is insane, certainly compared to previous seasons. Ronan Curtis came on, Rico Hackett came on, Jay Mingy, what a start to the season he's had. Joe Piggott as well. I think if you're gonna, if you're gonna try and take the lead or retake the lead in that game, you've, you've got to bring Michael Jacobs on. And I think that's personally, I don't think we, we, we criticize him often because there's no real need to really. But I think that was probably one of Danny Cowley's errors on Saturday. I think that game was screaming out for the, the energy and the sort of enthusiasm that Michael Jacobs brings to the team. Yeah, I agree with that to a certain extent. It might have been a case of wanting to go a bit more aggressive. I understand why he wanted to bring on Curtis. So, so someone is lively, someone is going to attack the full back off the ball, press yeah. properly. Yeah. I think that was the right substitution to make. But you could, if, for example, Hacker coming on, you could have brought Owen Dale off, brought Michael Jacobs on, even put Curtis on the right side and given him a bit more license to go forward. Because I think at that point, even though Fleetwood were springing and got two of their chances in the second half, it might have been a case of trying to risk it a bit more, put a more aggressive player on the right-hand side and yeah. see where they went from that. The last take, one of the last takeaways to take from this game before we dive into some of the stats before we move on is uh, the full-back situation. Obviously, Ogilvy is preferred at, on his wrong side at right-back at the moment with uh, Freeman and Swanson, the other options. Personally, I, I mentioned Ogilvy getting swapped with one of those players for this game because I prefer just a full-back playing on his natural side. And that was a big talking point from this game that the full-backs struggled creatively going forward. That was a big thing and overlapping was another one. What did you think of uh, Ogilvy starting at right back in this game and uh, do you think it continues after that? Uh, or would you change things at the left back spot as well? What were your thoughts? Yeah, I, I do think you know the things have got to change and I think that, that goes with what the majority of fans are saying on social media as well and the fact that Conor Ogilvy and another player who's had a really great start to the season, I think he's even pitched up with three or four goals himself as well, which you wouldn't expect um, from, from your left back. But you know, the injury to Joe Rafferty, another player who Pompey and Danny Cowley have relied on heavily at the start of the season, out injured now for another, I think, still three or four weeks. He's got to undergo quite a, quite a hefty um, fitness regime to get back up to, up to scratch. But Conor Ogilvy, yes, great start to the season, left back. You can understand why Danny Cowley's moving to right back. He, he, he can provide that versatility at times. And I think the first game or two where he was switched to right back with Clark Robertson on the left, it worked to an extent where Pompey were winning games and he was providing the support on the right-hand side. But I think, as you, as you mentioned, it's not his favoured side. Time has told time has told that maybe he can feel in that position for, for one or two matches at a, at a sort of last resort, as as he had done. But I think that, that time has passed now. And, and yeah, he, he's got to go, definitely go back on that left-hand side. I, I wouldn't agree in necessarily dropping him altogether and just taking him out of the team and, and bringing either Freeman or Swanson in uh, and keeping Clark, Clark Robertson on the left. I think if you're going to shift him, he's got to go back on the left-hand side, bring one of the right-backs onto the right-hand side. And, and dare I say it, I was speaking to uh, Jeff Harris when he was on my on the footblower on Monday evening about 
maybe even change the formation up a little bit with, with the amount of experience we've got at the back. You've got uh, Clark Robertson, Sean Raggett, Michael Morrison. You could have those three at centre-back. You could have Conor Ogilvy on the left. You could have either three middle Swanson on the right, two midfielders. I know that would probably leave you with just one up top rather than the two. But it's, it's I think that's a, a risk or a gamble that, that might pay off for Pompey. It'd make us a bit more secure at the back. You could allow both Conor Ogilvy to play alongside Clark Robertson and bring in another right back. And with the form that the strikers are currently on in the last two or three matches, is it worth both of them starting? I'm not sure. And I'm not the one that gets maybe big money for that. But in, in, in our opinion, and, and, and Jeff raised a good point with that, if you're going to solve the dilemma of moving Conor Ogilvy from the right back, but also not dropping him completely, that's an option to explore. It's an idea. I think thinking about it, I think personally, I wouldn't change the formation. Probably. I do like the partnership of Bishop and Scarlet. I think the main reason why they weren't effective in the last game is because of service rather than anything else. Secondly, I think if you are going to go for a back three or a back five, you're dropping dangerous wingers. You're dropping, you're either, you're thinking about dropping Dale, you're thinking about dropping yeah. Coroma, who's coming in. You're also thinking about which midfielders you're picking. You're having maybe one less midfielder in, depending on which sort of three at the back formation you're picking. If you want to have the two up top, I don't think it's a formational issue. I think it's, a personnel issue and it's great that we have the depth that we do I mean we're talking actually talking about which good players to play and we haven't had that for Pompey in a long time yeah. in a long time so for me you have to put Ogilvy back on the left it's harsh on Robertson but if you want to persist with Morrison and Raggett then you keep that centre-half partnership you have to drop Robertson to the bench and then you have to pick Swanson or Freeman at right back I'm going to put you on the spot, Jake. If you had to pick one mm-hmm. of them for right back, which would you pick? Oh, for the Charlton I've got game, to, and why? I've got to go Freeman. If I'm being completely honest, I know we're going to come on and talk about the the, the Southampton game and the Hampshire Cup game on Tuesday night in a, in a moment. But he played that match and he's played a couple of cup matches this season. He's a youngster. It feels weird to say because I'm not actually that much older than him. But you know, he's he's a player. He, he's not got the same experiences as Kieran, Kieran Freeman in the football league and. He's got he's got signs of potential, and, and he's certainly going to be a decent right back. And he's a very good player to have in the squad. But from what I've seen so far this season, in the very little game time he has had, don't get me wrong, um, particularly on, on on Tuesday night against Southampton, I don't think he's a hundred percent ready. He provides the support on the right hand side. He solves the issue that you mentioned in regards to you know the overlap and wing backs, and he's got the the attacking now. So I think to to deliver to his Pompey team, but I think in a, in a defensive sense and a in a really level-headed sense, I don't think he's got that. Um, we saw that with the the melee he had with the Southampton youngster on Tuesday night. He, he does like a heavy tackle, which, again, as Pompey fans, we like the commitment. We love that sort of energy and we like that sort of old-school approach to it. But I don't think he's as clever or, or as smart with his play as someone like Kieran Freeman, who's been around for a lot longer. And and I think, yeah, I just think defensively I'd be more... More, I'd feel more safe with Kieran Freeman at the back. Um, and I know we don't want to play particularly safe and I don't want to have that sort of mentality where I'd rather be safe at the back rather than have that sort of attacking option. But I just think, I'm just more, I don't know, I feel I swing more towards the Kieran Freeman thing. And I think because he's got that point to prove where he was out of favour in the summer and potentially linked with a move away, I think that has sort of boosted him a little bit to actually come in and, and be a better player than he was. And, I, yeah, I, I know I not everyone's think, going to agree with that. Swanson mm. does look good, but I just, I just, I personally think Kieran Freeman. Honestly, I do agree with you. I think simply for the game that's coming up away at the Valley, 
I think you need a bit more of an experienced head. And, I, and we're talking as if Freeman is a completely defensive fullback. He's not really. We've seen him play at ring back before. We've seen him bomb forward and track back at the same time. So he can do both. His crossing is reasonable, but not as good as um, Rafferty or um, Ogilvy or Robertson looking at the stats. I don't have them in front of me, but from memory, Freeman's drops off a tiny bit, but isn't completely far away at any rate. I had to agree with you on that one. I think the last interesting stat from the Fleetwood game I'll, I'll mention before we move on is the pressing stats. I'm looking at passes allowed per defensive action, which basically means the lower the number, the higher the press. Pompey's was average, really. It was a 7.26 figure, which is roughly okay for sort of a high press, but not really. There were two major drop-offs in the second half where the PPDA rose to 12 between the 40th minute and the 60th minute, and then to 15 between the 76th and the 90th minute with a period of high pressing of 5.2 in the middle of those. A lot of the re- reason might be due to being in possession a lot more. That's something I will have to caveat. Usually that number fluctuates depending on how much possession you have. Yeah. But it does show a drop-off in that game. Does that worry you that the press effectively dropped off in the second half when Pompey were going after the game? I'm trying to remember any big chances that Ports have had in that second half, apart from mm-hmm. pack shot from outside the box that hit the bar. That was very unlucky. But that wasn't that wasn't like a high quality chance. That was just a quality player having an excellent shot, wasn't it? So um, does that concern you at all heading into the game against Charlton that the press wasn't yeah. as good in key moments of this game? Yeah, definitely. And like you say, um, when you are you're not chasing the game, but you're at one all, you're on your home turf against a side that, you know, let's stop beating around the bush. We've been in this league for too long now. Let's stop using that. You know, any side a, a difficult to play against, like I said earlier, but, you know, you, you want to get three points against Fleetwood at home to, to get promotion. And, and that's the bottom line. When you're at one all and you've got a chance to to really to take the three points and 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 we, and we did have the chances to cut them open, yeah, why not why not go for it? And I think a lot of that does stem down to you know, we were getting frustrated in the, in the stands about how slow we were with the build up and how reluctant we looked to actually try to open up them spaces. We looked as though we were too scared to do so, and and that's completely off off colour for Pompey this season. Whereas you know we've gone to Ipswich, we played against Plymouth at home, of course, and. I think pretty much every game this season we've we've gone into that second half and we've we've been a second half team. We we open up and we're not scared. We have that no fear factor about us. And where if we're winning, if we're losing, if we if we've got the draw, we'll go out in that second half and try and be a better side nonetheless. And that stems down to and, and a lot a lot of people talk about the potential of the impact that Danny Cowley has in the dressing room at half time. He's obviously a good motivational talker and we know that with his press interviews. So Saturday was Yes, concerning, but but strange because it is it's really out of character for Pompey to, as you mentioned with those stats, not to actually press in that game and uh, and go for it. So I'd like to think it was an off day. I wouldn't. I know we're, we're three games without a win. I wouldn't call Plymouth an off day. That was just a, a very good game between two high quality sides. Ipswich away always going to be difficult. We didn't look fantastic, but we had that press. We had that. We had that factor about us where we wanted to get the goals all the way through from minute one to 90. And that's something that Danny Cowley, ever since signing for the club, has wanted to bring to the club. He wants players that are going to give their all from minute one to 90 and beyond. And yeah, I think Saturday was an outlier. And I'd like to think that is uh, just one of those things that happens every now and then and that we're going to recover from it uh, on Monday night. And I think we can only really start to judge it if it continues. Um, but 
if it happens just as a one-off, then we can accept it and move on. But as long as it doesn't continue like that. Yeah, we'll just have to hope that it was an, on- an anomaly. Um, I didn't talk about it a lot because really we can't really analyse it that much, but the refereeing performance, a lot of people disagreed <laughs> with how that was refereed in that game. It was very strange. Very quickly, Jake, in like 20 seconds, the refereeing display in that game before we move on. Awful. Uh, and I think that was his first EFL game, wasn't it? I'm not sure, to be honest. I'm, I'm led to believe it was one of his first EFL games and not been around the block for too long. But yeah, it, it, it was woeful. And I think Pop, Pompey fans and every football fan wants to see the game played quickly. Um, if you've got a three kit, you, you should be able to play the or not play advantage, but take it quickly. We had a goal disallowed because of that. And uh, yeah, as we as the team being awarded a free kick, any sort of advantage should be yours. And I think he was blowing up for every single opportunity on Saturday. He loved his whistle. He loved his vanishing spray, which he must have gone through five bottles of. And uh, yeah, I think he's got a lot of learning to do. But yeah, certainly one of the most frustrating referees we've had at Fratton Park for a, a quite quite a while. Yeah, absolutely. It definitely was. But then again, every team in this division will have to deal with it. So we're yeah. focusing on what this team could actually do rather than other outside practice. At the time of recording, Portsmouth are fifth in League One, having played 11 games, six wins, four draws and one defeat. They have 22 points. Peterborough have leapfrogged them on goal difference, who are fourth with 22 points. Then Sheffield Wednesday with 26. Ipswich second with 30. And Plymouth top spot with 31. Now for the fun bit. There's only one team in Hampshire, Jake. We knew that already, but it was confirmed in this game. I don't care that we played first team players against a lot of youth team players and a player who was literally signed to play for that under-23s, even though he's older. <laughs> Pompey 5, Scum 2, goals from Zach Swanson, Michael Jacobs, a double from Wico Hackett, and a fifth from Pompey boy, Kobe Motta. Your thoughts, Jake, with just over 2,500 watching that game? Yeah, well, first of all, fantastic. Uh, and congratulations to Kobe Motto. Got the Pompey Goal of the Month award last month compared to you know, that was running the same poll as uh, you know, the first team and um, the, the women's team as well. We got the Gold of the Month, fantastic strike against Newport. And to come on and make your essentially, not professional debut, but essentially, your, you know, your debut for the club alongside senior players and score, you know, up against the Fratton end, against Southampton on a technicality, um, you're always going to take that. And like you mentioned, there may have only been 2,500 of a game. It may have only been a Hampshire Cup. Yeah, they played all of their under-20s, plus a 33-year-old, who got sent off, by the way. It felt good. It felt really good. And I I think what I'm more impressed with, I'm not going to count it as, to be honest with you, I'm not going to count it as a, a South Coast derby win. We're not going to be remembering that. And I, I still think they've got the bragging rights of the most recent victory in the Carabao Cup a couple of years ago. It, I think it would be embarrassing to take this as an actual claim. Um, I know we're joking about it now. Yes, it feels great to beat them. I don't think uh, we can really take it too much forward. But nonetheless, it's a good win um, and it's always good to beat your rivals. And I just think what impresses me most is the attitude from Danny Cowley before the game and after the game when he was asked about the team selection, why the squad was so strong and, and what his thoughts were about playing Southampton in a essentially a, a low-key South Coast derby. And he essentially just summed it up as it's a, it's a, rivalry, it's a rivalry and we always want to beat Southampton and that was it, full stop. And yeah, that's the attitude I want from a manager. You, you, you're not going to hold this as a, like I mentioned, I'm not going to hold it as a South Coast Derby victory and, and, and brag about it for years to come. But at the same time, you, you don't want to lose that game at all. You don't want to lose that game. The rules are, yeah, the Hampshire Senior Cup. It's a technicality. It's your first team. It's not billed as a B team. It's not 
necessarily build as a reserve team. You can add that tag to it if you want to. Southampton called it a B team game. But last season, you know, we, we utilized it to, to play some of the players that are out injured, some fringe players, youth play, you know, a, a perfect blend of that. And I don't think Tuesday night was any different. We, we did that. We made 10 changes, two academy players, players that have re- recently returned from injury, like, you know, like Zach Swanson himself, Jay Mingi, sort of, and, De- and Denver Hume, and of course, Joshua Oluwimi, who doesn't get league minutes. And to, to win that game was, was a good feeling. Um, you, you don't want to lose against Southampton. Yeah, I'm just, like I said, I'm really impressed with the attitude shown by Danny Cowley. If we're playing Southampton, whether it's your reserves, academy, you know, women's team, first team, it doesn't matter. You want to beat them, full stop. And we did that. Yeah, absolutely. It was the exact attitude to have. It was great. I was, I was at the game watching, watching the Southampton fans in the corner, barely sing at all when the, when Frank Park was in full voice. That was lovely. One thing about Ollie Lancashire who got sent off. I found this so funny. Looked up in Daniel Story's article in the iPaper. Ollie Lancashire has uh, previously played for Rochdale other football league teams, as you said, 33 or 32. He was signed by them to, for good behaviour and to be a good influence for the uh, under-23s dressing room. And yet he gets sent off for just hauling Joe Piggott down when he was immediately thrown on goal. I loved that little little tidbit that made me laugh all the, all, all, all the way home after that. Man of the match has to be Jay Mingy by quite a way, doesn't it? I thought he was excellent in terms of his tackling, he, he was ferocious in the centre of midfield. His build-up play was excellent. He showed a lot of flair, passing into the right areas as well. It's a shame that really centre midfield is that one area of the pitch where if everybody's fit, Portsmouth has a lot of depth. But Joe Minkie certainly impressed in, the, in that game, didn't he? Yeah, not, and not only in that game. Um, in the league matches he's had so far this season, albeit very little and mostly off the bench in the cup games he's played in, Jane Mingy's looked like a very strong player and certainly capable of challenging the likes of, um, you know, Joe Morrell, uh, Louis Thompson, Tom Lowry when they're back fit. He's certainly capable of, of putting them to the test and not necessarily starting week in, week out, but he's an option and he looks incredible. You know, he, he's strong, he's agile, how he manages to, on, on every single occasion, just drift and weave in and out of defenders and, and, and midfielders alike and just advance the ball forward from the sort of deep line midfielder role to the attack. He's not afraid to do so. Um, he's, he's got the attitude, the right attitude to, you know, as a Danny Carly player, just to get the ball forward, make the right pass and make the right decisions. He's a fantastic player. And if not for Marlon Pack, if not for Tom Lowry, if not for a Welsh international, Joe Morrell, and indeed Louis Thompson, who's had a, a good start to the season up until his injury, he gets in that team and he's, he's a midfielder who should be playing for a top league one side. But it's a luxury and, and, and a good selection headache for Danny Cowley to have. I wouldn't necessarily rank him as such as saying he's second or third or fourth down in the pecking order because I think all of the midfielders have got different attributes to their game. Now, I'm, I'm very excited to have Jay Ming in the team. He's young and I think what really sums up his character and the way he is and I think what Pompey fans are, are dawned to is the fact that he was captain on Tuesday night. In a side, yes, uh, in the Hampshire Cup, you've got Joe Piggott and you've got, you know, Denver Hume and, um, Michael and Jacobs other, starting. Michael Jacobs starting and you've got Jay Mingy as captain. You know, he, he's still young. I think he's 22 or 21 or 22. Of, I mean, he's, he's quite young, but, but he's captain in this team. And I think that shows Danny Cowley and it shows the fans the attitude that he's got and the desire and the work rate and the commitment he's, he's got on his team. And, he's, and he, he is perfect Danny Cowley player. And if he doesn't make the team or the league 11 much this season, he will certainly do so in seasons to come if he chooses to remain at the club. 
Yeah, absolutely. Sorry, just going back to the man of match on Tuesday night, I think the club awarded it to Rico Hackett, which is difficult not to do, given the the brace and the two goals. The brace for two goals? A brace and two goals, exactly (laughs) the same thing. What an idiot. But yeah, if if it weren't for a brace, then Jay Mingy gets that all day long. Yeah, absolutely. No, Hackett was in the right place going forward. and He took his goals incredibly well. But no, Jay Mingy, 21 years old, captaining the side against Southampton. He's definitely got a lot of promise. Very quickly, the only little newsy bits that came up uh, before we previewed a Charleston game quickly, we've got a limited time here. Dan Gifford recalled from his loan spell at Weymouth, according to Andy Moon. It was mentioned over game time. That's probably the main reason why. I think we'll analyse more of that more on that on the next episode of the Pier Forecast. But also very quickly, the Ryan t- potential Ryan Tunnicliffe move, that was up in the air again in the news. Very quickly, Jake, what do you think Pompey should do with Ryan Tunnicliffe short and long term? Well, um, when he first signed for the club last summer, looked like a very, very good acquisition. Um, looked, I, I mean, the first three or four matches, and or perhaps even to, towards the October time when things started going a little bit downhill, Ryan Tunnicliffe was was a great player, and, and he really, really impressed me. But you know, we're mentioning, and we have done all, all throughout this evening's podcast, we've been mentioning Marlon Pack, we've mentioned Joe Morrell, Jay Mingy, and Tom Lowry. We, we've barely mentioned Ryan Tunnicliffe, and. Uh, that comes down to he had a horrible injury last season that kept him out for a while, kept him out of the team. And he just struggled to get back into the team. And whether that's down to the effects and the recovery of the injury, I don't know. But he has looked a shadow of himself. Still a very good player. Still a player who could go to another League One team or a top League Two team. He could go somewhere and, and make moves. And, and he's certainly capable of you know, playing against Pompey and probably being that one player who scores against us. And and comes back to upset us. But I think from Danny Cowley's perspective, with the depth we've got, it's great to have as many options as possible. But I think we've got too many midfielders. You know, we want we want Jay Mingy to play more games, but we know he probably won't because of the quality ahead of him. Yeah. You, you, Ryan Tunnicliffe, he hasn't got a chance. And that's not his fault. There's just more, I think there's more quality in this team. So if we can, if we can ship him on, if we can get a bit of a fee for him, whether it's small or big or what, I don't know. But it will benefit Pompey not having to essentially have him on the wage bill when he's not getting played. But also it, it aids his development. As a player, you don't want to be signed up for a team who you're not playing for. So I think for both parties and essentially the third party to a team he moves to, if he does, it just works all around perfectly. And I wish him all the best when he does. Yeah, absolutely. But um, since he's a Pompey player still, I want him to play as many appearances as he can if he's good enough. The Charlton away, the Valley on television on Monday. Recent form, John have picked up four points in their last two games, 0-0 draw against Lincoln City and a 4-2 win against Exeter City. But beforehand, they were out without a win in seven league games. They currently sit 11th. Notable players for them, Jesser and Raksaki, who uh, Joff Taylor mentioned on the pod a while ago, two goals, two assists. Seems to be a very good acquisition. P.O. forecast favourite Scott Fraser at centre-attack midfield and Miles Leeburn with four goals. They've also set up in a 4-4-2 and a 3-4-3 before. Jake, what do you think Pompey need to do to break down this Charlton side on Monday night? Well, if they're playing a 3-4-3, definitely don't do what I suggest in a 3-4-3 because um, it just counteracts them. <laughs> but look, it's a weird Charlton side. As you mentioned, mid-table have done for a number of seasons now, whereas they used to be a team pretty solid in the Championship that come down to League One every now and then and, and go pretty much straight back up. But they just seem to be a mid-table team and, and no one really takes them that seriously anymore for for even competing with the sides at the top. When you've got the likes of Ipswich and Pompey and Sheffield Wednesday and your Derbys and your Barnsley's in this league, no one really counts Charlton as a, as a contender. And I don't think that's really going to change this season. 
However, as you mentioned, they're on a, a decent run of form in the last two or three games. Some very bright players in their team. Jezzerin Rakisaki, you mentioned, has had a good start to, to life at Charlton. And I remember him playing at Fratton Park, was it last season or the season before, uh, for the Palace uh, under-21s in the, in the EFL Trophy. He's a bright prospect and there are going to be some players within that team that are going to prove a handful for Pompey. In recent matches, considering the goals we've conceded, two against Plymouth, three against Ipswich, uh, one against uh, Fleetwood at home, we've got to be alert because there's no way we've come away from the Valley if we continue playing like we have done in the last two or three matches without conceding a goal, potentially without securing all three points. Um, completely changes the fact that when you've got um, added on the fact that we're away from home, the Valley's always a, a difficult place to go. And it's on, on a Monday night and it's on Sky Sports. All, all, all of those factors add up to a seemingly disappointing night. But this Danny Cowley side of this season has stared adversity in the face on numerous occasions and come away fighting and come away with the right result. So I'm not going to take these omens of previous seasons too too much to heart because I think this team has had, had a massive turnaround from those sorts of things. But it's going to be a very difficult test. And I think as long as we're solid, as long as we are looking half decent in front of goal and certainly better than the game against Fleetwood, there's no reason why we shouldn't come away from that game with a win. Chartner aside, like I say, no longer competing for promotion to the Championship in recent seasons as much as they'd hoped to be. And we've got to get a win. Yeah, absolutely. No, I think that has to be a priority. All right, Jake, we've now come down to the juicy bit. What is your score prediction for the game against Charlton and any goal scorers? Look, I want Pompey to get back to winning ways. Of course I do. Um, however, I think this is going to be a very difficult game. And I think we're going to continue to struggle to create as many opportunities as we have done this season due to the sheer fact of, of how many injuries we've gotten, as we mentioned earlier in the pod, Freddie, uh, the players we're, we're still missing. So I think this is going to be a one-all draw between Charlton and Pompey. As I mentioned, pretty much a lot of that does stem down to injuries, how we've looked going forward in recent matches, and the poor fact it's on Sky. And we've won games on Sky in recent seasons, still few and far between. So yeah, I'm going to go for a one-all draw, and I think the goal scorer is going to be, I reckon, Rico Hackett, because he used to play for Charlton. And I think he's going to be the player to to haunt his own team, as I'm sure is going to happen against us as well. Does Jaden Stockley still play for Charlton? He does indeed. He does, yeah. So he, he's, he's absolutely scoring if he's fully fit. No doubt about that. Oh, the curse of the opposition player. I'm going to be the ray of positivity on this show since I predicted a one-all draw last time. <laughs> I, think, I still think Charlton are very vulnerable. I think Pompey will have something to prove in this game. I think there will be changes, slight changes in the the personnel to try and make that happen. I think the chances will come for Bishop and Scarlett. They'll be firing. So I'm going to go with a 3-1 Pompey win. I'm going to go with a goal from Josh Karoma. He's going to continue his goal-scoring run. And then one goal each for Colby Bishop and Dane Scarlett. And we're all going to go home happy and no. Obviously, I will have to go for Jaden Stockley getting the consolation, being ex-Pompey, but who cares? Uh, I'm going to be at the game. I managed to get the time off for that, so I'm going to go home from London happy happy with, happy with a 3-1 win and three points at a difficult away day on Sky. Well, thank you so much for joining me, Jake. It's been a pleasure. Obviously, your family life's changed a fair bit. How is that coping for you? Yeah. Everything going all right? Yeah, first of all, thank you for having me. Nice to return the favour. You often come on my show and uh, 
and help me out on that. So it's much appreciated. And you're coming on Monday as well. Uh, not Monday, Tuesday. That is the plan currently, Re- unless review. work has yeah, anything to yeah. do with it. <laughs> of course, yeah. No, yeah, like, like, life's good. Uh, it's great to have a newborn baby, a daughter. She's amazing. She's just about two weeks old now. The time is absolutely flying by. She's getting big. But no, she, she's really good, really healthy. Mum's doing fantastic as well. Yeah, it's just it's, it's a nice feeling. It's a nice feeling to have the... It's, 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 a, it's a different kind of love. It's, it's something you can't really describe, but no, it's, it's fantastic and I wouldn't change it for a while. No, that's wonderful to hear. And uh, for those who have not seen you on the radio waves and elsewhere, where can people find you for your Pompey opinions? Yeah, so when you've uh, when you finish listening to, to the PO forecast, which does get released not long before my show on Thursday or Friday, uh, Footblower is back on Friday, uh, and we're here every Monday and every Friday evening from six through till seven on Express FM ninety three point seven on FM and DAB and online as well. However, of course, due to the chart and game on Monday being um, a rearranged fixture for Monday, Footblower is actually moved to Tuesday as we mentioned, and of course, every match day you can have, uh, catch all of the uh, all of the action, full coverage of every game, home and away, uh, League and Cup. And Hampshire Cup against the Scum as well, with uh, with commentary from BBC Radio Silent Sandwich between as well. So yeah, on pretty much every day during the week. We can't really get away from us. Lovely. All right. Well, thank you very so much for coming on, Jake. And uh, thank you so much to the listeners for listening to this. And until next time, play out Pompey. Play out. You have been listening to the PO Forecast for Pompey News Now. Available on SoundCloud, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Follow PO Forecast at Pompey News Now on Twitter for more information. And there is the full-time whistle!